I would say when it comes to business, but actually when it comes to life in general, there are a few things that we need to really make sure we stay on top of um, our mental health and also our physical health. And um, now I talk a lot on this podcast about topics that relate to business, entrepreneurship, marketing, of course. But what I wanted to do today was bring a guest on who is someone that is so passionate about maintaining the balance between well, your overall wellness, but your physical, your mental. Um, it's also a bit of a business mental, that kind of stuff as well. So, um, yeah, I'm really, really pleased to be joined by a really good friend of mine so that we can get into these topics. Let's get her in the room. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Welcome to the Christina Talks podcast. Thank you so much. I'm pleased to be here. Yeah, very exciting. Very exciting. Um, I have to apologise. I held you in the waiting room because I just needed to wait for the team to clear out at the end of the day so we wouldn't be interrupted. Just one of those days, you know, when like you're wait, you're waiting for someone to, but like, Molly's like packing up her stuff and she's trying to do it like really quickly. But the quicker she's trying to do it, the slower she was. <laughs> um, but yeah, there, there you go. Anyway, like I said, we're right into recording. No warm up, jumping straight in. Lauren, there's a very specific reason why I wanted you to come onto the podcast. Okay. So- <laughs> Would you want to let me know what that is? <laughs> Well, I mean, we've known each other because we've been in a mastermind together. So we're obviously like, you know, think similarly in terms of how to develop yourself and be open-minded and coachable and that kind of stuff. Um, But your specialism is, it's one of those things, it's really interesting. You've got a quite unique twist on it. I think you're quite different to what people would expect if they heard a description of who you are and so I just wanted to share that the whole point of this podcast is I meet people that I think are awesome that I think more people should get to meet so that's why you're here essentially because I know I didn't frame it I was just like Lauren come on the podcast you were like yeah of course Christina yeah that was it and I was like I was thinking you know a little while ago I was like I wonder if I'm supposed to know what I would you know what I'm supposed to be speaking on but I thought, oh, it's Christina. You know, we'll chat and things will come out. <laughs> we'll have a good time. We'll have a good time. And I, I'd like, I never really plan any of my podcast interviews because it's just wherever wherever things take us, right? So, um, so yeah. So, give everyone the intro. Like, what's the what's the story of Lauren? Because they don't know what you do yet. Okay. Um, well, everyone knows my name is Lauren. Um, so yeah. Hi, I'm Lauren. I um I do I do multiple things really. Um I have multiple businesses. I have a brick and mortar business, I have a wellness center. Um I also work digitally online and I coach and I mentor people um within business, but around strategizing them as the human to better their business. So I work with people on their health, their well-being. Um, into their psychology to help them become better for themselves and that makes their business better because we find that whenever there's a bottleneck wherever there is an obstacle within business it's a human that, that has created that issue business and everything in the world is very very simple the only thing complicated are the humans in it so uh, I look to help strategize and simplify the person, which ultimately um, encourages them to work at high performance levels, peak performance, um, and better their health. 
And do you think that sometimes, so we started a conversation back in, well, probably about seven or eight months ago. And so where where are we now? Beginning of April, we've just come back after the Easter weekend as we record this. So it was, it was before Christmas that we had a conversation and, um, and I, you know, I was just talking about, you know, wanting to change a few things, drink less coffee, should really drink alcohol less. And we turn up at these meetings and you're like staring up your matcha and you're putting your, <laughs> she's got a matcha now. And, you know, and, like all the, and talking about this stuff and I'm like, yeah, I don't even know what that is. And I mean, your bricks and bought your bricks and mortar business is um, to as, as a wellness center, you've got a huge focus on sort of um, vegan provision as well, haven't you? Sort of. Yeah. So we have a functional gym and we a yoga studio, holistic treatment and therapy rooms, but you know what the main central hub of the business is called the plant bar. And that is our community vegan cafe. Um, and the you know where the way I've written the menu, I've devised the menu so that every single thing on there has um, alkaline benefits on the body, anti-inflammatory effects. You know everything on there is actually good for the body. It's nourishing for the mind and the body. So yeah, it's and people eat and they love it, and then they say, "What was in it?" And then I go through the list and we talk about things. Are like, oh. <laughs> So this is this is the thing. This is where it's really strange. So at the minute, I'm like, I'm going to I'm going visiting friends I haven't seen for a few months, going to see relatives I haven't seen since before Christmas. And they're like, oh my God, you look so well. And I've I've lost a bit of weight. Not a bit of weight. It's more than a little bit of weight, but you know, I'm not gonna divulge too much on my own podcast on that front. But people are like, oh, have you been on a diet? Have you been doing exercise? I'm like, no it's like I eat what I want and I drink what I want and it's really weird because the conversation we had I was like right Lauren all this information is overwhelming and people talk about like biohacking and there's all different products out there and I know some you love and some you're not so much a fan of um, and I, I just think it's it's just the few tips you gave me were really it's been really interesting in the just the natural effect that it's had so for example, we just started off um, like one. You kind of gave me a list of things and said just commit to a few. So I started having a turmeric shot in the morning, and it's like it's just crazy the difference it makes. And it's like there's all these little hacks you can do. So, I mean, what what are the key things that you think make the biggest difference? Um, <clears throat> well, there's actually one thing that I would say if anyone can only ever do one thing perfectly, or you know with consistency, with full-on commitment, and that's sleep. Okay. Uh, actually, so it starts off with sleep. Your, you know, your today starts, all de- you know, the way you feel today is dependent upon the way you slept. So if we don't sleep well, the next day is never going to be the best day. Like, you can do all the things. You might have a really good day, but it would have been great if you'd have slept well. So it always starts with sleep. Go to bed with satisfaction, wake up with motivation is like my non-negotiable. That is my, if I can do that every single day, I know I'm doing well. You know, that's one of the things that, although my sleep has been pretty bad again recently, but one of the things I changed again under your advice is I have this window now. I don't eat after 9 p.m. So that I have this real solid window between eating and going to bed because, um, 
you sort of told me the effects of not having that window. Yeah, so people like there's people will say, oh, don't eat late, you'll put weight on. Well, it's not the it's not the eating late, it's the gap between you know your metabolism working and you actually going to sleep. If your metabolism is working, you can't put your body into a restorative mode because to be in a restorative mode, it needs to be doing nothing. So if the metabolism is still going, you're not restoring. So if your cells aren't restoring, you're reducing the efficiency of everything you do, your eyesight, you're reducing, you know, everything, you know, so, you know, your fat burning properties, you know, like all, you know, all the things that your body needs, um, all the processes to, to burn the fat, won't, those cells won't be regenerating if your metabolism is still working when you should be in a restful sleep. So that's why people say that. But there are so many other knock-on effects of, you know, having a disturbed sleep. I notice, I mean, I track my sleep religiously and I, it gets a score every day. I look at all of my stats every day. And sometimes it just is the way. Now, we can't, you know, I sometimes things happen and it, it does mean that I eat late. Out of choice, I wouldn't eat after 6 p.m., um, but I like to go to bed early. So uh, I don't, you know, I would like not to eat after 6 p.m. But sometimes, you know, part this past couple of weeks have been a few like times at eight o'clock. I'm like, oh, wow. Well, that's not going to have a good score in the morning, is it? Because um, I just know that my metabolism, you know, everyone's personal. You know, everyone is individual. Everyone's system is to them. And I know for me that my metabolism will still be going a good three, maybe four hours after I eat. Um, it, so it doesn't allow my body to get into the cycle. Um, so yeah, sleep is a very, very important thing. If we can go to bed at the same time every day, wake up at the same time every day, work with our circadian rhythm. I wake up naturally. I have an alarm on to make sure I've woken up by a certain time, but I know I'm awake at least half an hour before that every single day, which means I wake up from a light sleep. I wake up naturally and I wake up energetic. I think there's a lot to be said for that kind of um, the, the the and and there is a I, I talk about this sort of there's a difference between habits and rituals. Okay, so I think there are some there are there are things that I would like to think of as rituals when I'm doing them when I'm practicing them. I definitely sleep better. So things like meditation, um, sort of different forms of breathing, that kind of stuff. That um, when I am practicing those consistently definitely makes a difference but you know I think one of the biggest things have been and it sounds mad but this is where it kind of steps into mindset there is something about making your bed every morning okay and it's not a, it's not the act of making your bed it's the fact that it doesn't matter how my day has been when I get home when it's time I get into a lovely ready-made bed and it's amazing that the difference that that makes, because if I if I go back, like it makes me sound like a skank. But yeah, like it, probably a year ago, I wasn't doing that every like I'd, you know, I'd be up in the morning rushing to get out because I probably not left, left myself enough time in the morning to do what I needed to do. So I'm rushing to leave my house and I get back and sorting out dinner and doing whatever, do the washing back on the laptop, blah, blah. OK, now it's time to go to bed. And I've got to make the bed before I can get in it. And it just adds to the chaos, doesn't it? 
It really does. It's all, you know, so psychologically, it takes you back to, it's the organisation of being productive. And, you know, you deserve to get into a freshly made bed. I mean, when you go to a hotel, what the loveliest thing is like pulling the big white sheets and duvet from underneath the mattress and peeling that corner back and sliding in. It's, it's It feels royal and luxurious, right? Um, it's what, you know, why did people used to have, you know, if you think about it, like people, when people used to have people that made maids that made the bed, you know, it's, um, there are so many elements to it. Um, I mean, I'm so strict about making my bed. I mean, Michele, my husband is usually up before me, but the other day he wasn't. And I, I was like making the bed. He's like, Lauren, are you making the bed with me in it? I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, can you just fly that way? I need to finish. I absolutely get it. And like I said, I've just, I've never been, you know, I am an untidy person. I really am. Um, it is like everyone's got quite sort of clean, tidy, clear desks and mine's filled with things that I fidget and play with. I mean, like li- li- literally I have a fidget cube and a fidget spinner and a, um, a squishy donut on my desk because, you know, at 43 years of age, why wouldn't you have that stuff, Right. But it, I think this this is the thing as well. We have, when it comes to performing at an optimum level, okay, peak performance, high performance, however you want to describe it, there is a lot of recognising your own patterns, isn't there? But what do you need to be in that state? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's one of the reasons I, you know, well, the reason I originally um, went to a vegan diet is, my body worked efficiently without the animal proteins and, and animal produce within me. I just had more energy and I personally just was so much better without it. And so I was like, oh, well, I'm not going to go back to having it because why? You know, did, you, did you find that making that shift was weird? No. Um, I mean, I've done all different things, you know, like, so when I lived in Morocco, I've done aid, you know, with the sheep, all the different things. So I've done many things that most people won't have, you know, especially in our societies, like won't have experienced. You know, when you walk down the street in Morocco, the animals are hanging in their entirety down the street for the for the butchers to work with. Um, but for me, taking it no it didn't feel weird at all and I've never once missed it so I am I have been not intentionally but because I've kind of been on this journey and swapped things in and out so um you know I don't drink I very rarely drink coffee now I have a um a product I know you don't like that I have once a day instead of my coffee. It's not that I don't like it. <laughs> I, just think it's, I just think, no, it's very, very clever. The branding is amazing and the messaging is spot on and it delivers and gives everything everyone wants. I've got all of what you've got in there in my matcha and I always have. Mm, I've got a seven mushroom blend in there. I've got maca in there, you know, and I have all of that in my matcha. <laughs> Yeah, well, this, this, yeah, this, this is the thing. So it, where I've made these changes, I physically felt better. So I haven't intentionally gone, hmm, what have I put in my system and how do I feel about it? But there are certain things when I now eat them, I feel so shit. Yeah. I can't not notice. Mm-hmm. They're like really fancy cheesy chips. And I had my cheesy chips and I oh. felt like hell. Yeah. afterwards and I was like oh wait a minute 
Yeah. Actually, when's the last time I ate any potatoes? And all of a sudden I realized, oh, because I've been going, well, I really fancy eating this. I really fancy that. I really want this, really want that. My body's telling me what I want. And at not one point had it told me that what I wanted was the crap. It was the stuff that made me feel bad. Someone else had been talking about cheesy chips. And I was like, oh, I haven't had that for ages. I'll have that tonight. You know, so it, it's like people say, listen to your body. It's quite a hard thing to do. And then your head gets in the way. So, Boy. yeah, I mean, I had um, scrambled eggs and avocado with chili sauce on for my dinner the other night. It was amazing. Loved it. And like when I was like making the scrambled eggs, I was I was kind of going like, oh, but there's no meat in this. And it's like there's it's like conditioned behavior. Yeah, completely. And I, I've been asked to um, this a, a pick from a menu and I'm looking at the options on the menu and I'm going, actually, the, um, you know, the vegetarian or the vegan curry, actually, like it's like a tofu red, Thai red curry sounds way more exciting than the chicken but there's this kind of like again conditioning to go no but you should be eating this this and this it is and it's the same conversation uh, i think around alcohol i mean alcohol's the only drug that you're the weirdo if you don't take it <laughs> right alcohol is a drug and when yeah. you don't want to take the drug people are like oh you're boring why are they, what's why, wrong with why? you why don't you want to drink? Um, it's like, well, actually, it makes me feel like crap. I, It makes me do loads of things like eat foods that I wouldn't normally want. Uh, you know, it just, it just doesn't, for me, does nothing good. Um, if I have a drink occasionally now, I don't actually feel that bad with it. I think it's because my body is clean and it, it gets rid of it well. It can manage the toxins well. Um, I don't test on that. I mean, I no, I'm just not interested in it. It's really, really bizarre. Um, it's the same with the meats. And yeah, if you don't want meat, people ask you why. If you don't want a drink, people ask you why. And it's absolutely ridiculous. I think this is it's it's like, oh, there must be something wrong with you then. Oh, you're a weirdo. Um, but like I said, but it is as I'm kind of making more and more of these choices. Like you know, I would be the person in the queue behind you in Costa, where if you asked for your almond milk or your oat milk, I'd be going, "Oh, what? Are, you know, <laughs> oh, did you hear them?" Whereas now, I'm like, I'm really fussy about the milk I have because I've again, it's not because I've noticed the difference. It's like not having dairy. Like I love cheese. When I eat cheese now. I'm ill for days and it's because I've had this period it's like we have tolerances and then when we step away from it it's almost like it's all fallen away and like I said the weird thing for me it, it is just the the general impact on my health my weight because I've still drunk like a twat I've still <laughs> gone out and had dinners and partied and everything else and you know, other than my, you know, when I'm here at my desk and I get frustrated, I need a quick state change. I'll go for a walk or I'm, I'm, you know, catching up on the phone with a friend and it's the middle of the day and I don't want the team to know. I'll go for a walk. So I'm not doing anything, you know, on the physical health side specifically, but I probably am, I am more active because before I'd have had the sandwich that made me feel crap. 
and therefore I wouldn't have gone for the walk. So I probably wouldn't have answered the phone to that friend. And it's like this, it's how it, it's like a domino effect, right? Completely. You just need to know everyone has their first domino that knocks the rest over. And you it's just about finding which is your domino. So for me, it, it, you know, when I eat well, it's exactly that. And for eating well for me means more than the you know, five fruit and veg a day, you know, I have well over 30 different types of vegetables, seeds, and all the different things of all the colours a week. And I, you know, I make sure I have that. I make sure that I don't ever eat beyond where, when you know, when I'm satisfied. I make sure, you know, all of these things. Um, <clears throat> and I know that when I do that correctly, I want to walk a bit longer in the morning because I walk every morning. I know that I want to go and work out in the gym. Now, I am here all the time. I have my own gym. When I have not eaten well, when I'm not eating well, I don't, I'm like, oh, I haven't got time. I can't be bothered to go to the gym. I'm like, what? Like, if you can't find the time to go to the gym, like, what's that about? And it completely changes everything. I don't sleep as well. It changes everything. And it's, you know, it's, that is one of the beginning dominoes for me. And it sounds similar to yourself. Yeah. Like I said, it's, I just can't be that, you know, we, we had that one conversation and I think it was between Christmas and New Year. I said, right, come on, Lauren, tell me what to do. Like, what am I buying? Because it was, I'd got, I'd gotten overwhelmed with it. So like, if I do this and this and this, is this all going to counteract each other? Like, couldn't make a head nor tail of it. And then you were like, okay, just do this. And I think it was like literally three things. Um, and like I said, that, that's all I've done. That's all I've done. Everything else I've just carried on as normal. That's the, they're the only changes I've made. Um, and it it is just, it's crazy, the difference. Absolutely crazy difference. And if you think in that time, I've become a partner in a second business. We've had a really successful launch. Stuff's going ahead here at the Green Umbrella that's still, like, you know, I I would have said before Christmas, I was exhausted. I was at capacity. There was no room for anything else. And like I'm doing double and <laughs> got a crazy social life on top of it. So it's like, you know, and again, it's that what's the first domino and all of this stuff brings balance into life. And what I'd like to do now is kind of move on to Lauren, the mentor, okay. the mentor and the coach, because I think this a lot on the mindset side of things, the um, having balance so that you can work at a certain level. I, I think that's something you're really like, there's not many people that can call me out on my shit, but you are <laughs> one of them. <laughs> like that. <clears throat> um, I don't actually like to use the word balance. I feel like when we use the word balance in our mind, we create a picture where things are even. So I, I, I like to think of it as we blend things to work, you know, to, to our, you know, for ourselves, we blend them in the way that we do. I work within life, business, well-being for myself. And if you think of a triangle and on each peak, you've got life, business, well-being, and there's a circle that touches all sides in the middle, you have to sit in there for a general satisfactory. And the closer to, you know, within there is, is your absolute zone of genius your absolute ideal self and your blend was in with that circle and it's never in one of those peaks without being in the circle in the center 
It's a blend of all of that right into the center. And when you have that, for me, that's true wealth. Because if you get those right, you're working to an optimal level, you know, whether you're in business, whether you have a career, uh, you know, you and it's not about the finances, but true wealth, true freedom, true life satisfaction for me sits within that circle, within the triangle. Um, and if I drop any one of those, if anyone I know has ever dropped one of those, I'd know no one that survives on just the two. Yeah. It was really interesting. We had a conversation um, that we were in our mastermind at the time and I shared about the fact that there were there have been some life events and I was in a really good place and a lot of my goals are ticked off my list and I, I was kind of like, so now I need to make new, bigger goals, bigger, juicier goals because that's what you're supposed to do as an entrepreneur and a business owner and blah, blah, blah. And I was getting really stressed out about it because I was like, I don't have bigger goals. I'm like, I've just done all this shit and I'm like, I can't think any bigger. And you were like, who says you have to? It's exactly that. You know, when we live a, a purposeful life where we have meaning uh, and accomplishment, you know, these are all factors of positive psychology, like within, you know, so positive psychology is all about your strengths and uh, the good in you rather than just psychology alone, which looks at the downfalls and weaknesses. I don't really like the word weaknesses, the downfalls, the lesser strengths. Um. And when we feel accomplished, it's when we challenge, you know, we must challenge ourselves to a certain level with that matches our capability. So we always feel that we're tittering on the top of it, that we're never quite in our comfort zone. In our comfort zone, we get bored. It's not challenging enough. So if we can hover and like float on the surface, then, you know, we feel accomplished. And when that lines up with your meaning and your purpose, then, you know, if your mission is being satisfied, why would we try and step out and away from that? We, we would be stepping out of alignment. Mm -hmm. If we're not aligned to it all, then we won't enjoy it. That is when you feel overwhelmed, you know, when you're when you're working outside of your genius, out of your, your flow state. So once you're in it, you know, you're, you, for you and your business, you don't need to set your goals any higher Things will grow organically and naturally and beautifully as they are without having to go, well, I want this and I want that. It will become and it will flourish. That is the word of positive psychology, you know, to flourish. So when you get all the factors right, that is what happens. We don't always need to be going, oh, I want that. I want that. That's a selfish human thing when we get to that stage. You know, I, I love this. There's two words of you so you talk about flow and overwhelm um is it possible to have to have to be in both at the same time no I don't think it is I to be in your to be in your flow state to be in a just you're you know you are in control you're in flow time is passing around you you don't notice it things just feel obvious Overwhelm is where we feel that we have lost some sense of control. So to be in flow is a complete control state. Overwhelm is a lack of control. So there's another word. It's not coming to me. So when we're in flow and there's so much going on, you know, it's things are happening, things are growing. And you can't be overwhelmed at that exact time. 
Jen, this this is really interesting because I've had so the last few weeks there's been a lot of moving parts in the business, in my personal life, that kind of stuff, um, and it's brought in an element of uncertainty. And people that know me know I'm not good with uncertainty, and it um, yeah I'm very fortunate to have some people very close to me that in these moments where you know we all have the we all have those down days down weeks even it doesn't matter how happy you are you're still feeding yourself all the negative self-talk right stopping like not taking action on the decisions you need to make even though you know there's no decision at all this is just shit you gotta do and it's all been it all comes down to an element of uncertainty around a couple of things in my life at the minute but it's almost like I need to have that that bit of that little bit of uncertainty, that little bit of chaos, the tension, the teetering on the edge of overwhelm is almost what gets me into my flow state. It's almost like that's what drives me. Without the drive, I struggle to get into that flow state. That's pretty I think that can be fairly normal. Like you know, when people work well under pressure and people do things at the last minute because that gets the best out of them. It's me. I do that. I, you know, because I know that I need to leave myself in and encompass my own world with me, my laptop, my pen, my paper, my coloured pens, my A3 paper and my boards and post-its. Because <laughs> at that moment, I get completely engrossed in what I'm doing and there is no time to get out of my box. Um, and I love that flow state. I love that those times. Um, but I wouldn't get there unless I was under the pressure to do so. Um, when there's too much time, there's always time. There's always other things that pop up. Um, but like you were saying, you get to that point and then you get into flow. But whilst you're in flow, you're not actually overwhelmed. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I feel, I feel great because all of a sudden I'm smashing it. Like I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done, um, I literally had a conversation on, on Saturday with, with someone very close to me say, you know, I've been feeling this way this week. These are the things that have not been happening because of it. Like this is my plan. And by lunch, you know, bank holiday weekend. So it's lunchtime on Tuesday. Um, he checked in with me and I was like, yeah, I've done all that. It's all done. And I've done another three things on top and I've had this conversation and I've sent that email and, you know, it, it's like, it's, and th- I think this is the thing. This is why as business owners, entrepreneurs, whatever label you want to put on yourself, you need to have someone in your corner, whether it is a close friend, confidant, whether it is a mentor or a coach, mm-hmm. someone to keep you accountable, someone to kind of just offload all of this stuff too to be able to say, actually, things are not great because it's really easy to turn up and go, oh, yeah, everything's amazing, when really it's quite the opposite. Yeah, it's it's absolutely vital. Um, There's so much pressure to always be Instagram filtered. There's so much pressure to live that trailer life, you know, that we forget that, hang on a minute, rewind, pick it all apart. I'm human. And, you know, it's when when I'm in sessions with my clients, you know, one week I'll be sharing my screen with them. We'll be creating Excel spreadsheets. We'll be looking at different ways to forecast different programs and products and pricing suites and 
building team structure and, you know, looking at the next two years goals to make sure that, you know, we can build the team and align with it all. And then the next week, I will sit back and I'll listen to what's going on in their mind, to asking, you know, asking them, you know, that's when I become the coach. I ask them the the particular questions that allow them to speak and open up and draw out some information. Other sessions, I'm that mentor. Other sessions, I'm a consultant. Do you find it difficult to pitch yourself so that people understand just how much value you can give? Yeah, definitely. Um, It's when people have met me in person, when people have had Zoom chats with me, um, I'm very, very lucky. I get people that know me that want to work with me. Um, It's very hard to explain all of that to somebody in the world of digital marketing without them having to go over about five posts to understand it. So do you coach people for their business or are you a wealth, like a health specialist? Oh, I'm both. Right. How does like, why? And it's like, Okay, well, let me explain. So, yeah, it's something that I've always struggled with uh, about my own marketing messaging for that. It's like, and I just kind of stopped wanting to get it right in one elevator pitch, so we shall we say. Yeah, I I think this this is the thing because it's a, I always say there's three things I want to be known for. Marketing, of course, um, mindset, which ties into the new business I'm involved in and mischief because I'm just permanently up to mischief as you well know but I feel like I feel like I've you know I've really kind of considered over the last well six months three to six months really like how do I how do I from a messaging perspective make this work without diluting my message here diluting my message there etc etc what advice will I give a client and honestly the, the advice is just be you just vomit you all over the place. That's yeah. all you can do. Yeah. Because it all comes out as a mishmash anyway, right? It does, you know. And the thing is, when people, you know, unless they're going to an actual website, unless they're actually going to a profile of yours where they specifically are going through every single post in timeline order, which not many of them even do anymore, um, it's always mashed up. So no one ever sees your Instagram post by post guaranteed in the order it came, in the order that you put it up. You know, it doesn't, that's just not how it's working. So yeah, you know, if every time you speak to anyone, you are authentic, you are unmasked and you, you know, one of the biggest things for me is knowing what your mission is. Like what result are you going to create in the world? And knowing, you know, your vision, like how are you going to do it? How are you going to play it out? As long as that is your golden thread that weaves through all the different things that you do, the right people are going to align with you and want to work with you. And, you know, it's one of the most important things to me. My values, my mission, my vision, everything that I do comes back to that because they are also, whatever business I am wearing the hat for, they're the same because I am me. I'm only one person. I only want to achieve one thing. I only want what well, one ultimate thing, umbrella, shall we say, for the use of this. Um, there are many things underneath that, but the ultimate things right at the top. You know, I want to create a world where entrepreneurs and business owners feel safe 
to be authentically themselves and to live a life of freedom and love. But within that, to do that, to create that world, they have to understand that simplicity is key. They have to understand that their health comes first. They have, you know, so to get to that end, all of my other things come underneath it. So as long as I know that that is the thing, that golden thread must find its way into everything that I do. And whether I'm there PTing someone because they've got a chronic health condition um, or whether I, not that I do so much of that on a personal like one-to-one basis anymore, but I still do. And I still oversee all of that within my health centre, the wellness centre, if anyone does come in with those particulars. Um, or whether I'm working with someone to write their eight-figure business plan. I have those that golden thread with me at all times. I think that this is one thing, and I, I love that you mentioned values because that is, if I was, if I were to describe your online presence, it's very much values-led marketing. Yeah. Like through everything you do, we can see what you stand for through everything you do. Whether you're talking about Aliafia, whether you are talking about the the mentoring stuff, the the talking about your retreats, you know, it, it's a you can see the values are there all the way through consistently. Um. And for a lot of people, that's incredibly hard to do. It's because they've never asked themselves really what they are. Like, really, what are they? I've got what I call an alignment doc, and all of my clients have one. They never get it. They, it's never completed until about at least three, four, five, six months in because they don't know the answers. So, Because people just don't know. They go, oh, yeah, my values. Yeah, integrity, honesty. And like, no, 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 wipe that shit. What are your values? Like, go deeper than that. Why do you, why is integrity, can't even speak, why are those values important to you? Let's just go that way. Like, you have to go deeper than that because they have to be personal to you. What's your story behind honesty? Why is honesty important to you? For what reason? Honesty in what situation? And how do you make that point of getting there? That's your value. I was at an event and um, there was a conversation around drive, and basically, so everyone in the room were established business owners. And basically the message from the, the speaker was that, you know, no one's, you know, you've had a bit of success and now you're resting on your laurels. You're not trying hard enough. I was like, great motivating speech. Well done, mate. Um, <laughs> but then he, you know, he said, you know, ask the room, like, what's your why? What's your drive? What's your purpose? You know, you're, and um, people started to share and I'm closing my eyes because in my head, that's how I control my facial movements. So I don't pull any negative faces. And then remember, this is a podcast. People won't see me anyway. But um, although we might use a video, who knows? Um, but people start to then say, oh, I'm doing it for my kids. I'm doing it for my family. And that's all, that's cool. And they're good reasons, right? But the reason is never the reason. The reason is never really reason. And and I think it's so, so important. So I, I'm i known for being a little bit vocal in this room. So I I shared something quite personal. I, and there, there are people that have helped me in life that are no longer on this planet. And at that point, I was not aware of just how much they were helping me, whether it's because I was not coachable, just not old enough to know, different reasons. And none of these people really left legacies. So for me, my drive is I don't just have one person's legacy to leave behind. I have about five people's worth. 
because that's how I get to pay it forward because I can never go and say thank you to those people. You know, so my kids are important. Yes, of course. But it, I think it's such a difficult thing to actually realise what your why is. You know, made me get a little bit emotional when you said that. I'm not going to lie. Just been swearing and giggling and snorting and things. And now I'm like, oh, I'm going to blast. <laughs> it's just what happens when we hang out. <laughs> it is. <laughs> you know, it's like I've been through a lot of all of this comes from having to work out things about myself. I've learned that, you know, things about myself and I've had to in ways that I've had to that, you know, luckily a lot of people never have to, you know, so all the adversities and all the crap and the shit and the all of it that I've been through, I know in my heart that I've experienced those things because that enables me to be better and do more for others. I know that. Now, I don't off, I'm usually straight down the line no BS. But when you get to this point, I'm like, no, that is in my heart. I know that I've been through what I have. I suffer the way I do because that gives me the understanding to support and enable and help others in ways that other people can't. So, you know, sometimes when things happen, it's like, you've got to be kidding. Why me? And then I'm like, I know why me. Because at some point, I'm going to have to help someone get through and over something that this is enabling me to do. I think it it is this, um, you know, things that happen to you, they happen for you. Hmm. And it it sounds like such a throwaway, you know, it's probably on a fridge magnet somewhere, you know. But it's so true. There are adversities there are traumas there are whether it's something that happens in childhood or something you're going through right now whatever that thing is that's 10 out of 10 on your scale it's a 10 for your thing is a 10 for you my thing is a 10 for me and it's not competition you know and and I think people forget that sometimes because your biggest adversity is still your biggest adversity correct 100%. Um, And whilst we're talking about scales and adversity and thing, you know, all of this, people say to me, why are you so smiley and positive all the time? I'm like, do you know why? Because I know what it's like to feel like shit all the time. So now I know where my bottom line is. I choose to stay far away from it as possible. And I find the ways to do so, you know, um, and your number 10, when you've had that trauma, wherever that sits on, on a scale, you can then go that level again, past your zero mark into the positive side of things. So if I experience things all of my life on a minus three, minus four, oh, there's a minus seven in there, I will only ever be able to experience that plus seven because that, up until that time. Not until after I've hit a minus 10 can I experience a plus 10. Yeah. Okay. But my minus 10 and my plus 10 might be the same as someone else's minus five and plus five. Yeah. yeah. But you can't um, you can't experience and and live out such a high level of positivity until there is that negativity that has hit that mark. And, and I think it is a, and again, I'm thinking about the, the, the last few weeks for myself. Now that I've bounced back, I realize it is absolutely ridiculous for me to expect that I will 
never be in those negative figures. Like if it's for a day or a couple of days or whatever, because I haven't slept, I haven't eaten properly or the hormones or whatever else it might, it, it is absolutely unrealistic to not expect to have a dip. But when it's I have always- a dip, I'm like, oh my God, you should know better than this. What's wrong with you? But we self talk there, Christina. Oh, do you know there was there was like literally one day I sat there on my own and like in my head it was that you know you get that thought of um, you know I can't do anything right and then immediately I like I think out loud I was like anything you know I was like everything I touch is fucking up everything you know and it's that I think once you've got this level of awareness and consciousness around. You know, you've done the self-development stuff and you you hang out in these rooms. You are able to self-coach. But the problem with self-coaching is the fact that you've already been there long enough to realize that there's an issue. Whereas if you've got someone to talk to in that capacity, they, they see it before you get there. Yeah, that is very true. If it's the right coach. That is also very true. That is also really, really true. You know, and it's important that, you know, when you do work with people, that it's not because someone else does. Just because someone gets on with a coach and has amazing success personally in their love life, in their time freedom, in their financial status, absolutely does not mean that you're going to get it with them. You will get that same result if that is what you so desire by working with the right person for you. Um, I think, you know, I probably work with as many people as I say no to, mm. which which I'm quite, I'm sure, well, actually, I'm really proud of that because I know that if I'm not the right person for them, or if they're not the right person for me, I'm not the right person for them. And yes, I can coach them. Yes, I can help them. But I also know that someone else can do it better. But this so- is, I'm like this with my marketing clients. I'm like, I'm not the right coach for you because I don't care enough. We have, the, there's nothing, like there is, what I was going to say, there's nothing about you. That's really not the case. Um, <laughs> but basically, yeah, I'm so good at messaging, hey. Um, you know, sometimes there is a gap, okay? And, the, and I think the gap is, I'm just not excited about what you're doing. I, it's just the difference it makes in this world is not lighting me up. Well, there's something about you where I'm just not excited to work with you. And therefore, am I read like if I'm not excited to work with you, then I'm probably not seeing your potential. And therefore, how will I ever get you to your potential? One hundred percent. No, you know, and I think it's it's this in the, especially in the coaching world right now. You know, it's it doesn't take a lot anymore for someone to say that they're a coach. Yeah. Um, which is really sad because it's actually such a powerful position to be in. And you have you have all the power right there in your hands, the ability to take someone in two directions. And, you know, if you're not the right match, one, it might be the complete wrong direction or two, it's, you know, you're it's not going to be on the right trajectory. And that's just unfair on you both. You're not going to enjoy the process. So I think there's two key things that you need when you. look for a coach so number one is rapport but number two is being really clear on what it is you actually need not what you want 
what do you actually need? Do you think that sometimes people fall into a coaching relationship with someone because it was the quickest way to become that person's friend? Because they got so hooked on the rapport thing, they forgot about actually, yeah, I'm supposed to get something out of this. Yeah, no, I think that's a real thing. Um, And it's the duty of the, you know, the, the coach to actually notice that. And when I'm doing discovery calls, disco calls, whatever you want to call them, initial chats, you know, they've come to you because you've got something that they want, right? Mm-hmm. It is your job to, at that point, tell them what you think they need and what it is that you will be doing with them. That doesn't come after. You need to tell them at that point, that's, okay, I understand what you're looking for, what you need to get there and what you need to have your eyes open to that you don't know the questions to ask right now to know is X, Y, and Z. And that is where that we will be working to take you. How does that sound? That's when that conversation should happen, not in week three and go, well, you need to be doing this. And they're like, well, I absolutely, you know, you might tell me I, I need that. That's when you get into the issues of, oh, well, now you've become uncoachable. Yeah. Have you ever felt uncoachable? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least once a day. <laughs> of course, you know, um, but I also know that I do slip into that space of when I've got so much going on, I'm wearing so many different hats, I'm doing so many different things and I get so engrossed in different things and I'm like, it's my way or the highway sort of thing. And I'm like, oh, hold on a second. You know a lot, Lauren but you don't know everything. You need to at least be open to listening before you step forward. Um, And something else I've learned to do more and more and more and to know how I can do it more and better is with my divergent thinking. So all those things on your desk, those things that you were talking about that you twiddle with, you doodle, like there's a pen here, like even when we're just talking, there's there's quite a few boxes and like triangles and things going on in a bit of paper. That encourages divergent thinking. We and are and divergent thinking is your outside of the box thinking. Now you are very good at that when you're tired, because mm-hmm. you have uh, less power of of confining yourself, and you are more creative and able to think outside the box when you are doing the doodle, doing the twist, doing a Rubik's cube, squishing a donut. Not a real one. Don't do that, anyone. You know, there's one that's purposely made to be squished. Um. And it's at that point that I I then remember, like, to do that, to become coachable, like, to a high level coachable, to really enable active listening. Yeah. There are times where I am uncoachable because I've got a problem with the person that's supposed to be coaching me. And I'm like, it's more of a shutdown. There are times where I feel like I'm being uncoachable And then I reflect and I'm like, "Mm, was I actually unwilling to listen in that moment? Or was it the fact that actually I do know what I'm doing and I do know I've heard the advice already and the guidance already, but my intuition is saying this is the right way to go. And therefore what feels like being uncoachable sometimes can be kind of intuitive focus. And it's difficult to know where one begins and one ends. Yeah, true. No, I, I see that. Um, I can 
reflect upon that. I can I can like put myself in that position as well. Um, and I think that yeah, you sometimes you might feel uncoachable, but actually, what it might have been is I've later discovered I've not articulated myself correctly at the starting point with the full story, with enough background and surrounding information to allow someone else to have enough information to go by. Right. Because I'm I'm usually then thinking, no, that's not the right answer. But they're not going to know how to give me a better answer because I've not told them all the information. So well, that's me told. <laughs> <laughs> so up your game in articulating what it is that you actually need help with <laughs> but this this is this is the thing isn't it that's because we get so caught up in our own thinking that you need someone else to go oh, wait a minute like yeah i can see that but what if like is it possible that this could be the situation instead mm. what if that were to happen and i think this is this is where like i said they're like you know throw a rock you'll hit a coach it just is how you know everyone's a coach now there are people who are coaching because they've just completed a course and now that's what they're going to do and there are people that are coaching because they've actually they've achieved they've done stuff there's a story there's a journey I mean we've we've hardly touched on your story you know people should go and look you up and and um you know get get the full story it, it's like you know we'd probably take us three episodes to cover everything with you know with you and um <laughs> we should do more but it's it, it's a some people go into coaching because they actually have something that is precious that they can share and pass on mm. um and I do think like you're the way that you see the world, the way you choose. Like, I know that's what my baseline is. This is where I choose to operate. I choose to feel good. I choose to make the choices that make me feel good. It's they're They're all very simple lessons. And I know you talk about simplicity a lot. Oh, yeah. One of the easiest ways um, to get to a line of simplicity is self and in two ways self-understanding and self-awareness you can't have true self-awareness unless you have the understanding understanding is how you have got to this moment now and to have self-awareness is how you're being at this very moment in time to be self-aware it's like it's the present it's the now but you also need to understand how you got to this place people forget to look at the big picture and understand their story to understand the themes of their life, to have dug deep enough about certain, you know, their decisions, their choices, and not to have regret and not to be angry or disappointed, but to be okay with every decision that you've made and understand it as to why you made it at that time. Only then can you have true, current, present, now awareness. So that's something very, very important, you know. So you know, one of the other things I do when I work with people, I have different like little things I can pull out the bag, or, you know, random qualifications and like experiences in so many areas is a bit of timeline therapy. So like part of like NLP world, you know, and to be able to help reframe, to help people look at how they store their memories, you know, and, you know, all of this is so important to reach optimal state of performance for oneself. So, you know, all of this, it's so important. You can't work at a peak. Well, another thing is peak 
performance, it happens in spikes. You, it's not sustainable. High performance is sustainable. So we can all push ourselves to work at a higher performance level. But those peak, to work in our optimal peak performance levels, you won't ever get there unless you know how to understand self. Um, and I think that's that's the hard part. That's why few and far between people get to that place, ability. Do you know, and I th- think this is, um, you know, am I a peak performer? I, I don't know. But it is that I, I, I reach an optimum level and then I crash. That's because you I- can't sustain it. Yeah. And, and it is when I crash, I struggle. And when I say I crash, you know, I'm not about to have a breakdown or burnout or anything like that. I just feel a bit crappy for a few days. A bit, you know, I let the gremlins come back. I forget what I've learned. And then I have to have a good word with myself and realize, actually, I just need a little bit of help right now. Talk to the people that position to help me. And all of a sudden I'm back, you know, actually, I need some accountability. I need to make sure I've done this, this and this on Tuesday. Okay, good. We're back in it. Let's go again. But that's okay. It's like <clears throat> you were saying, you said earlier, it wasn't until you did some things better that you realised the way you were functioning before wasn't great. You've hardly you changed some such small things, but you thought you were working, you know, at a good level of efficiency yeah. until you realised that it's not. And it's that when you repeat performance... Yes, you're going to come down because it's not sustainable. But where you go after doesn't mean it's all the way down. It just isn't where peak is. And we have to acknowledge where our comfortable performance levels are. Is peak addictive, though? Yes. You know, it's, of course, but, you know, a sprinter, an athlete will get their world record on a peak day. Yeah, they don't run that every single time they run 100 meters they'll do it once maybe twice in their life it doesn't become their new norm they put them they do all the necessaries to get themselves into that exact condition peak condition for that moment they will count the minutes before when they do their stretches and the minutes before that as to when they have water or electrolytes or you know to boost their energies all of these different things it's so calculated it's not sustainable. You know, I love this conversation, Lauren, because it, it like I'm just thinking like I, I, I've, there's stuff that I've had going on. And it's just been like win, 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 and higher and higher and higher and higher. And then um, it wasn't like I was losing, but there just weren't any. You know, there was a bit of a lull in the wins. Um, and so it is like when when you're not getting those little bits, you know, because it's serotonin that comes in there, right? And you know all the all the chemicals, and it's like all of a sudden it sort of wears off, and so you don't. And I'm you know just listening to you talk, I'm like, oh my god, it's like it really is that simple. That's all that's happened. You've not gone down anywhere. You've just not been swinging off the top of the tree. Yeah. Yeah. We're working really hard towards a specific event that happened on the 11th of May and the event happened and it was also, it was everything I wanted it to be. I haven't run an event for like 10, 11 years, probably 12 years since I last ran an event. Um, And it was just everything it should have been. It was seamless. The team, it could have been our hundredth event rather than our first event. It was just perfect. And it's like, wow, look what we've created. Amazing, profitable, woo, woo. Um, and then back to the day job. 
you know, and it's like all this stuff we've achieved is in like, and we pulled it together like four or five weeks. So to achieve all this stuff was like, shit, I really am good at the stuff that I do. And then, yeah, just went back to the same old, same old where nothing exciting's happened. And it is, it's that peak. And it has, it's not that I've dropped. I've just gone back to baseline. Exactly that. It's an an interesting realisation, huh? Mm. It's not that nothing good is happening, but it's those, you know, it's those peak moments that that aren't there. And if we, you know... If you're always at peak, they don't become peak anymore. Yeah. If you're always if you're always at that top, that top is your new baseline. It stops being exciting. You know, you listen to different people speak. How did you feel after your first million? Well, felt this. How did you feel after 200 million? Exactly the same. Mm. <laughs> you know, gave them no more. Because, you know, if they, you know they're, they're at that level all the time. It's, it's that same feeling. It's nothing different. You have to go back down to baseline to then make those achievements. Or you go up 10 marks and down eight, up 10 marks and down eight. Your baseline does increase. But I, I think I think this is the thing. It, it's a um, what I'm thinking now is that I need to focus on and define what my baseline looks like because I've probably been in polarity. I'm really high. I'm not high now. Therefore, I must be really low. And so that belief is if nothing's good, the belief has probably played out that if nothing good is happening, then there must be something bad happening. Let's go and look for the bad stuff. Quite. And of course, what do we attract? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's quite, it's, it's an interesting um, realisation, definitely. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. So when you had that really successful event, how did you reward yourself? How did you celebrate? I, what did I do? Oh, I had dinner with friends. And did you at that meal think, I've done a really epic job? Did you associate it with? Yeah, so the the friends I was with, we've, as a team, we've come together. Um, so, um yeah, so success, success psychology is the business I've now partnered in with a very good friend of mine and two other friends were involved as well. So we, we put this event together. Um, there's a whole thing there. And we've, so at the end of the two days, we went out for dinner, had a bit of a debrief as well. Um, and really as a group reflected on what had brought us together, the challenges that had brought us together how we basically went, you know, as the control freak strategic person, Mm -hmm. I kind of threw the book out the window and said, we haven't got time for that. We just need to make shit happen, which is something I'm good at. And so logically what needs to happen next and next and next and next. And we filled a room and we got people um, bought into us and the brand and what we're doing. And it was, yeah, it was nothing. There were things that will enhance the event next time, but there was nothing that was like, oh my God, that was a disaster. So as a group, we kind of reflected on everyone's roles in it and who'd done what. And um, I mean, Jen, who's very good, very good friend of mine, she was like, we never would have, we'd never would have pulled this off without you. So what did you do to celebrate you? Oh, did that not avoid the question enough? No. I know what I did I got to I for me 
I committed to spending more time with these people that light me up and give me something that makes me feel really good about the mission that I'm on, the change I can make. Like I said, I, I, Diana Pogson, when I was, she was my music teacher at secondary school, right? Um, she like literally, like I'd stay over at her house because she realized how shit my situation was at home. She got insight that a lot of people didn't have and things were different then in terms of, you know, you didn't have sort of the, the, the cases that you hear about now, the cases of abuse, that kind of stuff. It, it's, there's not, there wasn't the same duty of care then that there is now. Okay. It's not treated in the same way. And I think her maternal instincts kind of kicked in and she took me under her arm to a certain extent, you know, and gave me a safe place. And like I said, you know, unfortunately, I think I was in my sort of early mid twenties. She passed away. Um, I probably only in the last five years realized what exactly what it was she was able to do for me. You know, there's no massive charity that everyone knows about there's no great big legacy that the world will know the world is not gonna know about this one person that helped this one and you know she was a teacher for many many years I don't believe I was the only one she would have helped in that way so what do I do for myself how do I reward myself I just get to go to bed knowing that I've just repaid a little bit that's and nice. that's that's what keeps it going see they're, they're the important things so when we've had these highs and we acknowledge that we acknowledge that we have done something and we does we are deserving and we're proud of ourselves and we've achieved things and we do something for ourselves but then we do that for the smaller things too mm-hmm. and that helps to you know and and decide ahead of the time what the things are but when they're done what are the micro steps that allow the big goals when they when they compound together to happen celebrate the micro steps that will also help us to not feel that we've gone down but this is where i struggle with this stuff because it all becomes it becomes a bit material you can reward yourself with a nice walk and sitting on a bench, listening to some music, watching the sunset. Okay, well, I kind of dance in my pyjamas every night. Hey. That's my... That's the my... next step's dancing naked in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Do you know, it, it is a... Um, yeah, the last sort of six months I've been um, living on my own and after being in a family home for many, many years, I thought I would be very lonely um, and it is kind of every day does I, I it's funny when you asked me the question I didn't think about it but now talking on it is like every day there is a celebration whether it is just the fact that I can get home at six o'clock put on my pajamas and it like no one can say anything I can turn all the lights off and light the candles I can put my obnoxious music on and dance till two o'clock in the morning even though nobody else is there you know, and it, it is this, um, I think my freedom is probably my gift to myself. It's an incredible one. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like and when you know, next time you do that, you'll go, ah, oh, I'm rewarding myself. Yeah. And that in itself becomes a positive light. 
that's really special. Yeah, it's it's a good one. And some, for some people, it's going to get their nails done. For other people, it's having a bath. For other people, it's lying down on the sofa without the TV on or without an Alexa blaring some music. It's just silence. But this is the thing, right? Know who you are. I was in a mastermind once and the um, the lead mentor was switched out unexpectedly and it was not someone I would ever buy into anyway. Um, and I was really, I was like, not happy, but determined to remain coachable. And um, I think it was like the second, third call we were on and it was the conversation around rewards. Um, you know, shocker, this is something that comes up a lot for me. Um, and she said, well, you know, why don't you treat yourself to some Louis Vuitton luggage or something? And I was like, yeah, I need to get off this call now. Yeah, I'm the so the same. Is, you are not the mentor for me. <laughs> it's when people say, oh, you know, do you want success? And they're standing there with a glass of champagne with, I don't know, some view behind them. And I'm, or around a pool in Ibiza with, you know, and I'm like, Sorry, like that's hell. Yeah, that is not that. Can you, can you, can you, can you like throw me on a boat in the middle of the sea and tell me I've got to find a way to get back? I'm like, <laughs> you know, I was, I was um, with some friends in um, the Forest of Dean in a cabin with a hot tub, and it was bliss. And I just thought, you know, of all the holidays we could have, and you know, it was it was bliss because I was with the right people. And it was chilled and it was, you know, and we didn't need, I mean, we had a drink, of course, but it, you know, there wasn't like, it wasn't like mad party. It wasn't, we didn't need to have the sun and the siestas and the everything. It was like just to be together. Yeah. Good people with where everyone knows who they are and everyone showing up as themselves. Yeah. It was just amazing. People wandered in, they wandered out, they were in the group, they were doing their own thing. It was like, I want to get in the hot tub. So they got in the hot tub. And they like, I think it was like the last night, everyone's like inside. I was like, no, I want to get in the hot tub. I got in the hot tub about two o'clock in the morning. Just sat there for an hour on my own. It's really, But like nobody cares because everyone's so good with who they are. And, and that, that is the biggest reward of all. Yeah. That's special. Like, like I said, you know, that's how I know you. Because you're the same, and that's why we ended up in the same room as each other. Yes, you know, and and I think it is once you do these things, you you can't help but find other people who are the same. Yeah. Oh, what an exciting thought! Who's next? No. Who else am I going to find in a room? <laughs> 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 On that note, Lauren, I'm going to draw this to a close. Um, thank you so much for joining me, and yeah, I should have prepped you. Um, <laughs> I just. I just knew that we would talk and awesome things would come out because they always do and people would see what you're like and I would have an, yet another realisation and um, and it would be a good conversation. So thank you. Um, I really want people to come and sort of check out what you're doing at Aliafia, but also have a look at what you're doing. Like I said, I, I know with the, the the coaching, the mentorship that you offer, um, the retreats that you that you arrange as well. There's you've got so much going on. So I mean, I would direct people to Instagram, but where? What's your preference? Where would you want them to go? Uh, that's probably the easiest place. Um, just uh, at Lauren Lepley with an underscore at the end. Um, 
you can get to anywhere from there. You can get to Aliafia, you can get to LinkedIn, you can, you know, if you go there first, it's the easiest way to go to anywhere. So yeah, for sure. Excellent. And you know, the other thing about Instagram for you is people will see you walking what you've talked about today. And that is, um, I think everyone can learn a lesson from that. Thank you ever so much. Uh, I really appreciate your kind words and it's been an absolute pleasure being here.